Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Father Maximilian Kolbe was a Polish monk who was in prison in Auschwitz during World War II by the Nazis. His crime? Providing refuge and help to Jewish people. Upon arrival in Auschwitz, Father Colby was subjected to torturous and backbreaking manual labor for month after month after month. And yet he still managed to be a source of love, kindness, and encouragement to all the other prisoners. About two years after Colby arrived in Auschwitz, one July night, the silence was shattered by the baying of dogs, the swearing of guards, and the roar of motorcycles, a prisoner had escaped. That prisoner happened to be from Father Colby's barracks, barracks 14. And so the next morning at roll call, when all the other barracks were released, barracks 14 was called, was commanded to stand there at attention. See, in Auschwitz, the rule was this. If a prisoner escaped, 10 men from that barracks would be executed if that prisoner was not recaptured. So Barracks 14 stood there at attention, hour after hour after hour in the blazing sun. No water, no food, no rest. Men fainted and were dragged away by guards. Other men swayed, fighting to stay upright, only to be knocked down by the butts of SS soldiers' rifles. By some miracle, Father Colby stayed standing straight all day long. His posture as firm as his resolve to be there and support the men in his barracks. Following evening roll call, the commandant came and gave his pronouncement. The prisoner who escaped has not been recaptured. 10 of you will die in the starvation bunker. The next time it'll be 20. The starvation bunker was a horrible way to die. The man in barracks 14 would have gladly chosen the gallows before the starvation chamber. They would have even chose the gas chamber. So they stood there literally full of terror as the commandant walked around the, f- the men from barracks 14 and pointed out one by one the 10 men who would die in the most horrible fashion imaginable. Even the guards in Auschwitz were frightened of the prisoners that were put in the starvation bunker. After a day or two, they didn't even resemble or act like human beings anymore. The heat and the lack of food and the lack of water made their throats like sandpaper and their brains like fire. The prisoners knew that and yet the commandant walked around and he numbered them off one through 10. When he got to the 10th man, a man named Francis, Grosscheck. Francis called out, my poor wife, my poor children, what will they do? As soldiers began to drag Francis Grosscheck away, there was a commotion in the ranks. Someone had stepped out of line. In Auschwitz, a prisoner stepping out of line was a action that could result in immediate execution. And not only had this prisoner stepped out of line, but he was calling to the commandant. He was walking up towards him. The commandant calmly pulled out his revolver and stuck it to the forehead 
of this belligerent prisoner. The men from Barracks 14 strained to look, and they let out a collective gasp. The prisoner who had broken out of line was Father Maximilian Colby. This was the man who would share his last crust of bread. This was the man who comforted the dying, who cared for the sick. This was the man who nourished their souls. The commandant has it, had his revolver to Father Colby's forehead and he said, what does this Polish pig want from me? Father Colby, without pausing, said this, I wanna take the place of one of those 10 men. The commandant snapped back, why? Father Colby answered, because I'm weak and I'm old and I'm frail, I'm no good to anyone. Please, let me take the place of one of those men. The commandant thought about it and he said, which one? Father Colby pointed to Francis Groszczak, the man who had cried out for his wife and his children. And Father Colby took his place. Years later, after the war was over, prisoners and guards alike would tell us something extraordinary that happened in that starvation bunker in the days that would follow. See, in the past, the noises that, we, that they would hear coming out of the starvation bunker were screeching and animalistic howling. The sound of prisoners attacking one another, scratching and clawing to get out, but this time it was different. This time the only sound that could be heard coming out of that starvation bunker was the sound of hymns being sung. See, this time it was different. This time those men had a shepherd with them to guide them through even the valley of the shadow of death and bring them safely through into the arms of Father Colby's best friend, a good shepherd named Jesus. See, this time it was different. Those men had a shepherd named Father Colby. And for that reason, even though Father Colby was the oldest and the weakest and the most frail of those prisoners, he was the one who died, the last. Francis Groszczak, for the remaining 53 years of his life, told everyone who would listen about the courage and the mercy and the grace of his friend, Father Colby. And not only that, but he would speak about Father Colby's best friend, a good shepherd named Jesus. I was looking at the life of Father Colby not long ago and I came across this quote. Father Colby said this, the most deadly poison of our times is indifference. And this happens although the praise of God should know no limits. Let's strive therefore to praise him to the greatest extent of our powers. What a powerful, powerful, powerful statement. Father Colby did not say this, a pretty bad poison is indifference. One of the worst poisons is indifference. He said the most deadly poison is indifference. What's indifference? Indifference is going through the motions. Indifference is a complete lack of joy, a lack of gratitude, a lack of passion. What a powerful statement made by probably one of the most qualified men in all of human history to speak such a statement. A man named Maximilian Kolbe, whose passionate faith in Jesus Christ radically affected not only the life that he lived, but the death that he died. 
Man, I've been thinking about this quote a lot, you guys. The most deadly poison is indifference. The most deadly poison is indifference. Going through the motions, a lack of passion, a lack of gratitude, a lack of faith, a lack of joy. The most deadly poison is indifference. So I tell you what, we're starting this journey through the New Testament gospel of John. And gospel means good news. The gospel of John is the good news about Jesus. It's the story of Jesus written by his best friend, disciple named John. And John wrote this gospel, not just so that you could know about Jesus, but so that you could know him like John knew him. And I wanna tell you something, if you're new or new-ish to Southside Church, whether you're watching online or you're here in person, or maybe you've been away from church for many, many years and you're back, I wanna tell you something straight up front. We're a Jesus people. We're a Jesus church. We are not a Mike Manis church, that's for sure. We are a Jesus people. We are a Jesus church. We really, really believe that his life, that his death, that his resurrection changes absolutely everything. I believe that if you're new or you're newish, that as we take this journey through John, Jesus is gonna introduce himself to you. You're gonna know him a little bit like John knew him. It's gonna change you. It's gonna change your past, your present, your future, and your eternity. But I wanna continue on down that line, and I wanna suggest if you're not new or newish, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in person, if you are not new, if you are not new-ish, I wanna tell you this, I believe that Jesus is gonna use this journey through John to reintroduce himself to you. That you would know him better. That you would know him deeper. Because here's what I know. What I know is this, the longer that we spend in places like this, the greater the temptation can be that we might ourselves grow indifferent. It's the most deadly poison. That what was once gratitude becomes ho-hum. That what was once passionate becomes a shoulder shrug. See, I think Jesus wants to use this journey through the Gospel of John to reintroduce himself to you, to renew your gratitude, to renew your passion, to renew your joy, to shatter your indifference. Dave mentioned it earlier, but I've been thinking a lot lately about what does it look like, man, when we know Jesus, when, we, when, 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 when he reintroduces himself to us and we get to know him a little bit better, what does that look like? I think all of a sudden what happens is we start to become real, just like Jesus was real. As we, as we walk through the Gospel of John, we're going to see how real Jesus was, how real Jesus is. That we would be who we say we are. Do you understand? So when we read John chapter 10, verse 10, which says this, Jesus came to give me an abundant life. An abundant life. A life worth living. I'll tell you what, in September of 2022, that's what we need. A life of joy. A life of gratitude. A life of passion that that would be real about us, that people would look at us and we wouldn't have to quote John chapter 10, verse 10 to them. They would look at you and they would look at me and they would say, that's what an abundant life looks like. That's what it looks like. 
See, I think as you get to know Jesus, as you get to know him better, you become real. You become kind, just like Jesus is kind. I think it's just an incremental change from self-focused to other-focused, from impatience to patience, from closed-fisted living to a generous way of life. I think he's gonna make us kind. And I think he's gonna make us bold. Bold, that when we know Jesus, when we know that he walks this path with us, that we will not be afraid to step out. That we will not be afraid to step out. We, we won't be afraid to use our abilities, to use our gifts. We won't be afraid to use our resources, to use our passion, to face our challenges. That we would live our lives that when we step into eternity, your guardian angel will walk up, he'll slap you upside the head and say, do you have any idea what you put me through? That's exactly the kind of life that you're called to. Real, kind, and bold. 2,000 years ago, Jesus' best friend, the disciple John, wrote this account. He was inspired by God to write it because our call is to know Jesus like John knowed him. And it's amazing too, right? Because God inspired John to write this book and then he maintained it, he protected it so that it would come to us today. That it would speak to our soul, to the core of who you are, to the core of who I am. That it would answer our deepest questions, fulfill our deepest needs. And speak to our lives, our 21st century lives, our 21st century lives even. You know why? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His hope is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His joy is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His salvation is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It was written 2,000 years ago, but it says real today as it ever was. So if you're new or new-ish with us, man, I'm so stoked. I'm so excited you're joining us online, you're here in person. Jesus is gonna introduce himself to you. It's a big deal too, you know? Because maybe you bumped into some people throughout your years who claimed to represent Jesus but didn't do such a good job. Maybe you bumped into people who should have been real but instead of being real they were kind of phony. They claimed to represent Jesus and they should have been kind, but instead of being kind, they were kind of jerks. You bumped into some people who claimed to represent Jesus, but instead of being bold, they were kind of snivelly. And I want to tell you why that happens. I said earlier, you know, sometimes, 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 the longer that we hang out in places like this, the greater the temptation can be to, to grow indifferent. And I wanna tell you why that happens. It's really, really easy to define it. Here's what happens. What happens over time is we can be tempted to become something called religious. Now I wanna be real careful because I know for some of you who are kinda of new to Southside, you might be thinking, well, I just started coming to church. Doesn't that make me religious? No. Let me explain to you what religion is. Religion is this. Religion is, I believe in God. Religion says this. I believe in God, the demons believe in God also, by the way. Religion says, I believe in God, and now I will live my life obeying rules 
dotting I's and crossing T's to earn his love, to earn his acceptance. That's not what you're called to. This isn't about religion. Please understand that. This isn't about religion. This is about relationship. See, Jesus doesn't just want you to believe in him. Jesus is inviting you through this journey in John that we're taking. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. And when you know him, you you understand that he is walking beside you. And so you become real, not because you're trying to earn his love, because you're walking with him, you're watching him, and you're going, I want to be like that. You become kind not to earn his love because you're walking with him and you know him and you're like, man, I, I want to see like you see. I want to love like you love. I want to be kind like you're kind. You become bold not to earn his love, but because you're walking with Jesus and you, and, and you look at him and you say, man, I want to be like that. I want to be bold like that. But what can happen sometimes is to all of us, to me, to you, is we can spend a little bit of time in a place like this and we can become religious. I don't know why it happens. Maybe, maybe over time we, we lose our sense of gratitude a little bit. And next thing you know, we think, well, I'm pretty well behaved now that I think about it. I'm doing a pretty good job now that I think about it. I don't smoke, chew, or go with guys that do. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm killing it. <laughs> and next thing we start, next thing we're walking around saying this, man, God's kind of lucky to have me on his team, ain't he? <laughs> and you know what happens then, right? That's why you can't be real. That's why you can't be real. God called you to be real. You can't be real. Why? Because if you're real, you would know that you still have so much further to go and you utterly, completely need him, Right? It's hard to be kind when you're religious. You know why? Because you're all about rule keeping. And you know deep down inside, like you're not perfect, but you start to compare yourself to other people and you go, at least, at least, at least, at least, I'm not like, I'm not gonna point at anybody, him over there. You know? <laughs> at least I'm not like him. And you can't really be bold anymore, right? Because now you think you gotta earn it, you get it? So you start to live your life scared to make a mistake. I'm telling you, this journey through John, it's gonna be incredible, absolutely incredible. If you're new, Jesus is gonna introduce himself to you. And if you're old, like me, in every sense of the word, I feel old today, he's gonna reintroduce himself to us. We're gonna know him better. We're gonna know him better. We're gonna shatter any semblance of indifference in our lives. So I want to set the stage for this journey through John, and I thought, no better way to do so than to go back to the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. Isaiah wrote 600 years before Jesus was even born to set the stage for his arrival in human history. So I want to jump into Isaiah chapter 40, starting at verse 3. Isaiah was inspired by God to say this, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley raised up, every mountain made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. One of the first characters we're gonna meet in the Gospel of John is a guy named John the Baptist. 
Not John the disciple who wrote the Gospel of John, but Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. He's a character, I'll tell you. And he's the voice crying out in the wilderness. He's the one that God sent into human history to prepare the way for Jesus. And it's just incredible the way Isaiah puts it. Every mountain made low. Every mountain made low. Every mountain made low. You know what that means? John the Baptist strode into human history saying this to the high and the mighty. To the rich and the powerful. To the popular and the prestigious to the privileged. He came to the high and mighty and he said this, hey, you know what? You need to repent. You need Jesus. You know your popularity is not enough. You know your privilege is not enough. You need Jesus. Every mountain made low, but every valley raised up. Every valley raised up. John the Baptist strode into human history saying this to the lost and the lonely, to the hurting and the helpless. To the overlooked and the undervalued, he said to them, the world might have forgotten about you, but God has not forgotten about you. He's sending his son. The world might not care about you, but God cares about you more than you could ever completely understand. Every valley raised up, every mountain made low. That Jesus came, and Jesus died, and Jesus rose again for everyone. I would put it this way, the ground is level. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on a cross for you and me, and the ground is level. Every mountain made low, every valley raised up, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We stand completely equal at the foot of the cross. Two things are true of every single one of us. Number one, we are desperately in need. And number two, we are desperately loved. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Every mountain made low, every valley raised up. Isaiah says this, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. Isn't that incredible? You know that Jesus is the human expression of the word of God. That Jesus Christ is the human expression of the word of God. God said this, man, how can I explain my mercy? How can I explain my mercy? I'll send Jesus. How can I explain my grace to you? How can I describe it to you? Here's Jesus. How can I describe my love? How can I describe my victory? How can I describe my power? How can I describe my plan? I'll send Jesus. Jesus is the human manifestation of the word of God. And one more thing. We talk sometimes about the fact that Jesus spoke. I want to be really clear, Jesus still speaks. So just in case you missed it earlier, when I tell you, if you're new or new-ish, that Jesus is gonna introduce himself to you, no, I really believe he will. Jesus is gonna to speak to you. You say audibly, eh, I don't know, but I don't, probably not, maybe he could, it would scare, man, that would be scary, but, 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 but more, more than likely, he'll, he'll speak to the core, to your soul, to your heart. He's still speaking. I think it, I wanna have this posture as we take this journey through John that I'm listening with everything inside of me that I have this sense of expectancy. Jesus, would you reintroduce yourself to me? Would you make yourself real to me? Would I, might, might I know you even better? Isaiah continues. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. 
You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here's your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He, gathered, he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because he's with me. And surely goodness and mercy, surely, surely, Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. It's amazing to think about that. He restores my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. I could spend my whole life, we could spend our whole lives learning about Jesus. We're gonna have eternity to, lean, to learn more and more about Jesus. You know what's amazing? We're never gonna quite get it. There's always gonna be more. There's always gonna be more hope. There's always gonna be more joy. There's always gonna be more fun. There's always gonna be more adventure. There's always gonna be more creative genius. The best is always gonna be yet to come. We spend our whole lives knowing Jesus. And Isaiah says, let's spend our whole lives making him known. We spend our whole lives getting to know him, but let's spend our whole lives also making him known. I was talking to another pastor on the phone yesterday morning. And he says, are you excited about the fall? I said, yeah, man, I'm really excited about the fall. He said, different fall, hey? I said, what do you mean different? He's like, this is the first fall without restrictions in like three years. And it hit me. This has been quite a two years, everybody. You know that, right? This has been quite a two and a half years, three years, whatever it's been, I don't even know anymore. And we're a church, I've told you this before, we're, we're a church that brings tangible help to this city in every way that we can. But can I be honest with you? What this world, what this city needs more than anything else, they need to know Jesus. So as I set us up for this journey through John, can I ask you again, can we be can we be asking ourselves, can we be praying, God, who can I bring? Who can I bring to church? Who can I invite along? Who can? Something about this place, man. Long time ago, long time ago, many of us decided, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes for one more person to meet you, whatever it takes. And God has honored that. There's an anointing on this place. We get to know him and we make him known. Do you not know? Do you not know? Have you not heard? 
The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth, he won't grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord will not grow tired or weary. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord will not grow tired or weary. That's a really important thing because I think we can say things to each other like this. Hey, Jesus loves you. Did you know that Jesus really loves you? That's awesome, but there's part of us that thinks, oh, he loves us like human people love us. That His love can grow tired and weary, we think. You know, that Jesus can look at us and go, man, you're exasperating. Man, you're annoying. You're so frustrating. No, do you not know? Have you not heard? Jesus doesn't grow tired or weary. His love for you does not grow frustrated, annoyed, or exasperated. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you fully, totally, completely. Right now, you say, well, Mike, I've made a lot of mistakes. You can't outmistake the love of God. Jesus died for you. He rose again for you. You say, well, I've sinned a lot. You can't out-sin the love of God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Jesus does not grow tired or weary. He loves you with an everlasting love. You say, well, I've forgotten about Jesus. He's never forgotten about you. I've given up on Jesus. He has never, will never give up on you. Do you not know? Have you not heard? He will not grow tired or weary, but I do, and so do you. You and me, we do grow tired, and we do get weary. Maybe you've experienced that in your life, even in this last season. Say, man, I'm feeling a little bit tired. I'm feeling too weak to fix myself, too weak to fix my circumstances, too weak to fix my marriage, too weak to fix my family, too weak to fix my friendships, too weak to fix my circumstances. That's good, because he gives strength to, the, strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. See, as we prepare to take this journey through John, I wanna tell you, this is Jesus' best friend who wrote this. And the whole purpose of the journey is this, that you would know Jesus, that you would know him like John knew him. Like one of the titles that's given to Jesus in the Bible by John the Baptist actually is this, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, maybe you're feeling too weak to fix your past. You're caught up in regret and shame as Spencer talked about last week. Well, Jesus is the Lamb of God that he came as a pure sacrifice, that he died on the cross. Why? So that you could live. So that you could move past your past. That you could move past your past. That you could move past the baggage, past the regret, past the shame. Man, that you would know him like John knew him. Another title given to Jesus in the Bible is the, the lion, 
the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb of God and the lion of the tribe of Judah. What a contrast, what a contrast, the lamb of God and the lion of Judah. So amazing when you think about it because not only did Jesus face darkness, not only did he face despair, not only did he face death, but he defeated it. He's the lamb, but he's also the lion. And because he rose again, we can too. Isaiah says we rise up like wings as eagles. And I've been thinking and thinking and thinking about how I wanted to close this sermon off. And I decided not to. So I got about another hour of preaching that I want to do today, and it's going to be awesome. I actually, I don't always feel like it, but man, I would love to this week. But I will not. I will not. I just thought, you know, think about the lamb, the, the, the lamb and the lion, the lamb and the lion, that, that Jesus looks after my past, he looks after my future. You know, I move past my past, I have hope for tomorrow and the promise of eternity, but, but, but there's something missing, right? So, so there's my past, and then there's my future. There's my past, and there's my future, but there's something missing, and, and, and that's what I wanted to end with today. That when we think about the, the Lamb of God, we think about our past. And when we think about the Lion, we think about the future. But I want to talk about uh, this moment. This moment. Right now. This moment. This is the spot. This is the spot. Right now, this is the spot that time touches eternity. This is the spot that time touches eternity. This moment. And so for me, for me what, what I want to do is I want to celebrate that I moved past my past. And, and, and I want to celebrate, right, that, that, that my future is secure. But I think for you and me in September of 2022, I want to talk about right now. That he's the lamb and he's the lion. But as I've been reading through the Gospel of John, I got to chapter 15. And Jesus gives himself another title. And that title is Friend. So if he's the lion and he's the lamb, can I tell you in this moment, in this moment, in this spot, in this spot, that time touches eternity, you know who he is to you? He's your friend. He's your friend. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're going through, but I do know this, that you have a friend in Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, we read Jesus' words when he talked about what that means in this moment, what that friendship means in this moment. He said this, are you tired? Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Your best friend has an invitation. He says this, come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. 
I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Do you not know? Have you not heard? He, give, he gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak, and he's your friend right here and right now. You know, a few weeks ago, Leah came to Staff Chapel, and she played a song for us. And it's a song that describes the meaningfulness. Is that a word, meaningfulness? Maybe. This is the power of Jesus' friendship right here in the moment. And it deeply impacted those of us on staff. And I just asked her if she would play it for you today. So I'm just going to ask you two things. Number one, can you please hang out? <laughs> Stay for the song. You're not going to want to miss it. I know you got things to do, but let's kind of press in. Because number two, I'm going to ask you to remain seated. And I've been talking about the fact that Jesus is still speaking. And my prayer all week for you is this, that as she plays this song, that Jesus would speak to you. He's the lamb and he's the lion and he's your friend. So if you just want to remain seated, I'll be back out when Leah is done just to close. Come and get away with me 
doesn't matter how you come Come and get away with me Get away, get away with me Get away, get away with me Grace upon grace upon grace that it Get away, get away with me In this grace, upon grace, upon grace that it Get away, get away with me Grace, upon grace, upon grace that it Get away, get away with me In this grace, upon grace, upon grace let me Get away, get away with me Say what's on your heart, I already know it all Doesn't matter what you say, come and get away with me I know where you are, where you've been and what you see Doesn't matter how you come, come and get away with me Get away, get away with me Get away, get away with me Get away, get away with me Let's pray. So God, thank you. I stand here virtually online and physically in this place amongst friends. And that you do move us past our past, you do have our future secured, but you are with us right now as our friend. And I pray that in the days to come, in the weeks to come, God, that we would know you. Jesus, that we would know you better. And that we would you know, just live with a sense of joy live with a sense of gratitude that you would shatter any semblance of indifference in us, God. We love you. We thank you in your name. And everybody said, amen. I love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.